Thank you. So welcome to the Nigerian and Diaspora Organization, NIDO Radio, also sponsored by Wellness and Wahala Podcast. This is the Governor Just Show, and this is your host, Dr. Tomi, better known as Ama Abba. And we have a very special celebrity ambassador. You know, he's a legendary, you know, <laughs> celebrity. He's one of the founders of, of Afrobeats, you know, when Afrobeats was not even like, you know, in mainstream here in the U.S. So um, I'm very, very happy um, to have him here. And um, I will also kick off to say hi to my host, my co-host, Mr. Collins. How you day? Thank you very much. Tommy, I'm doing very well. And uh, thank you, my brother. I mean, I know you don't know, participate in this. We are highly pleased and grateful that we all have one. Thank you very much. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. So you guys hear his voice. So I don't know, you know, I'll drop some hits. So one of the, you know, one of my favorite songs of his is, I'm a big boy. You know, I always say I'm a big girl or, you know, today, <laughs> not today. Hey, you know, go escape. I can put you fuck on now. Hey. <laughs> well, of course, you know, I ain't got the voice, but... That's a, that's a decent rendition. <laughs> I did try. That is Mr. <laughs> Lon Ray Dobby Reed, better known as L.D. DeDono. Yes, so... Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank um, you. Thank you. So, L.D., for those of you that don't know, but I'm pretty sure most of you already know who he is. He is credited as one of the pioneers of the Afrobeat music genre. In 1998, y'all, he started a band called Trisman, which was went on to be one of the music groups that popularized the fusion of hip-hop, high-life, pop, and contemporary Afrobeat, y'all. So he is one of the king masters of Afrobeat. Trisman was a continental hit by the year 2000 and played a pivotal role in the shaping of new music genre that became known to the rest of the world as Afrobeats now. LD signed a total of 16 artists, y'all. So he had a lot of people on his Tribe Records label. Alongside his music group, Trisman and other Tribe Record artists, and despite a lack of infrastructure, they produced the massive hits, singles, Shake Body, Plenty Nonsense, Work It, and Oya, and um, that was between 1999 and 2002. LD is also credited for jumpstarting what became the largest physical distribution network for music and movies, Nollywood now, across the African continent in 2001, which enabled the initial reach of influence of Nigerian entertainment across the continent and internationally. So now y'all have like Nollywood, y'all can see it on Netflix. It was really him, you know, that pioneered it along with so many other legendaries in his time that really brought it up to date. And I'm sure you guys will hear more because he has an upcoming Afrobeats Netflix uh, that's coming up. And after he moved back to the United States in 2002, LD recorded four solo albums. He won Best International Album in 2007 at the Nigerian Entertainment. Entertainment Awards, the NEA Awards in New York City for the best African artist at the international acclaimed and UK home-based Music of Black Origin Awards also in 2009. He's one of the first Nigerian artists to secure international music collaborations with U.S. artists and was featured on CNN for his, his single One Day in 2011. LD has worked 
as an artist, as a songwriter, producer, director, now jack of plenty trezo, and he's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, interactive media consultant. Currently, he's into real estate investing. He's an IT consultant. He's a wonderful dad and husband. He has two wonderful, beautiful daughters. I call them the two T's. I love that because me and my sisters were all three T's. Tommy Twin and 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 TT. So I, you know, am very honored because you know, it, despite all the many things that he does, you know, he's a, a wonderful father and and he's also a lifeline and leader to many of the youths um, coming up. So over to you to introduce yourself more. And- hey, I. I couldn't give a better intro. Thank you so much for that. I mean, I was sitting here listening, thinking, eh? Who be this? <laughs> now you, now you, well, today, not, not today, you're on the hot seat, Who's, who's, who's this person? Carries from, uh, originally, yeah, he carries a lot of weight. <laughs> you carry a I mean, lot of weight. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would say that I feel uh, privileged to have been born when I was and to have been in that place and time because... Obviously, it's easy to give to get credited for doing a lot of those things. Um, I feel like maybe some of those things would have happened anyway. So I actually feel privileged to have been alive and to have been there to be a facilitator. So um, a lot of that stuff for me obviously wasn't just me. There were a lot of people who also contributed. There were a lot of people who took a chance as well um, and helped you know, sort of shape what became Afrobeats, you know, from a sound perspective, from making videos you know, from, from going online, you know, and, and putting this out there and creating a community and encouraging, you know, a community of DJs in the U.S. and supporting getting music on the radio, you know, in the U.S. and the U.K. and things like that. So there, there's a lot that has happened, but for me, I'm glad to be alive, to see it all sort of come together, to see our artists being celebrated on the global stage, to see our music being embraced, you know, by pretty much every culture out there. I mean... Korea is embracing Afrobeats. It, it is such a big deal to me because when we dreamed of, you know, doing music and going global, we never thought of it going this far. So it's almost like all of the expectations that we had, at least when I started um, in the late 90s, like all of those expe- expectations have been surpassed you know, at this point. So I'm just I'm just glad to be alive to, you know, soak in the glory of it, you know, <laughs> and yes, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. we are happy um, that you're one of the trailblazers. As, as we say, it takes a village. So we know that is you and, and so many, you know, village of legendary leaders that really, you know, brought Afrobeat to the world, I would say, and put Nigeria and Afrobeats and Nollywood, you know, um, uh, you know, to the entire world now. Before, you know, it wasn't a cool thing where you play, you know, Afrobeat music. What is that? What is, is that reggae? What is, you know, so now... You know, people know, like, we are the originators, you know? <laughs> so, and, you know, the, uh, of course, you know, there's other high life and, you know, legendary artists like Fela, you know, that came even before you, I think, that have paved the way. So it is really good to see, like, Afrobeat really highlighted, you know, in, in this year, 2020. Um, and I, you know, of course, and I'm a big fan of yours, and I just appreciate you. Um, but I want to kick off to my first question, um, as you are one of our, you know, legendary leaders, 
you have the best of both worlds, you know? So you grew up in Nigeria, you grew up in Kaduna, you know, went to school in Lagos. Now you transitioned um, to America. Being a Nigerian-American, you know, I, I always say you have the best of both worlds, but you have a lot of pressure also um, as a celebrity, you know, to try to, 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 try to make a difference. Cause at the end of the day, yes, we might all still be based here in America and the economy is, you know, better than ours back at home, but we can never forget home. You know, Nigeria is, is our home. And I think you even did uh, a song <laughs> with Sound Sultan. I'll play that later, but you know, Nigeria is always going to be our motherland. So, you know, as we celebrate you as one of our trailblazers, and also, as Nigeria turns 62 later this year, on October 1st, as you know, our Independence Day, recently I was very, very disappointed. And NIDO, we've also just recently started a petition this week um, and got about 100 signatures so far. And is you know, it's rising by the day. But I'm really disappointed that our leaders and the Senate, you know, they presented the diaspora voting bill that we've been trying to get passed for about a decade now. And we still have not got it passed, um, despite Nigerians in the diaspora contributing and sending home over $24 billion annually um, at home. And out of the senators, only 29 senators voted yes, 92 said no. So, you know, how can we, you know, have a voice when we can't even, you know, participate in in diaspora voting or have absentee voting. Other African nations have passed absentee voting like Senegal, like Mali. So, and they have seen the benefits of it. So I wanted, you know, to kick off and say, what are some steps that you think that in Nigeria, you know, can get us back on the pathway to prosperity so we can reclaim, you know, our God-given name of the giants of Africa? What can we do to really advocate, to have a stronger voice in the diaspora. Over to you. So I think, uh, and thank you for that question. It's a really good question. I think one of the biggest challenges that we have is, um, you know, the fact that we don't have alignment on what direction we need to be headed, right? Um, there's so many people who are in positions of power in our government who aren't there for who they're supposed to be representing, which is the people, right? They're there primarily for themselves, primarily for their party, um, for specific individuals, you know, that have put them there. So they're going to do the bidding of those people, um, as opposed to the people who actually got them elected. And it, it's become a thing, right, over the last three, four decades now, that you're able to buy your way into those seats. And if, as long as that is the reality, um, it's going to be difficult to get people to do what is good for the country or what is good for the citizens. People will always do the biddings of whoever it is that put them there. So I think one of the things, to answer your question, um, that we need to start trying to figure out is those of us who truly, genuinely want Nigeria to be a great country, the giant of Africa, we need to start to figure out ways to mobilize like-minded people um, and position them to be able to um, um, change policy. For example, you mentioned how they voted against having the diaspora participate. That's not a mistake. They know exactly what they're doing. They realize that everyone in the diaspora, well, maybe everyone is too general, but 
the majority of the folks in the diaspora are they're looking back at Nigeria from a place of concern and care and genuine a genuine need to see the country actually be successful to see it thrive now they've left they're in different countries they're okay wherever they are so there's really no incentive um, to want to go back to Nigeria you know and and further deplete the resources or further like step on the people's necks so obviously letting those kind of people into the fold is going to disrupt the current you know establishment right so obviously they don't want you to vote why should you vote because if you vote i mean you're going to come in there and you will support candidates and if you support candidates those candidates won't align with the current mission of whoever's running the show so why should they allow us to vote and I think that a lot of it is also because of the fact that economic leverage is not being um, um, economic power, rather, is not being leveraged as it should. Um, I know I have a long winded answer, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm headed somewhere with this. So the idea from my perspective, this is just my perspective, um, is that we need to start thinking more how we can use our economic leverage from outside of um, the country to influence policy in the country. Um, you mentioned earlier how we're sending home, what is it, 24 billion? I thought it was more than that. It's even more, but you know, that's just that's just the one, you know, on record. There's other people that travel and they carry a lot of cash that, you know, we can't account for, but on average, right. in the past it's three up. years, it has, it has varied. Some years it has been like 29 billion, some years 30 billion. You know, most recently, I think it dropped down due to the pandemic um, for the past right. two years, 24 billion. But we can round up to about 30 billion because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of funds that still get moved. Um, exactly. You know, people that got private jets <laughs> that we can't account for and they move cash up in that jet. Right. So, I mean, if we have that kind of economic leverage from outside, it's about organizing from the outside and, and deciding on who it is that we want to support. What are the candidates that we that align with what we're what we consider to be, you know, a more purposeful mission for Nigeria? Right. And then find who those people are and put weight behind them. So you can try to stop us from voting, but you can't stop the fact that we can influence. Right. So if we have the ability to influence, it's about organizing and finding out ways to leverage, which Initially, I believe, was the reason why NIDO was set up, right? Because you mentioned that, you know, in the pre-intro, pre right? It was set up as, you know, diaspora organization that should be able to have some influence, right? But here we are, right? I don't know, 20 years later. I don't know how long ago NIDO's been in existence. And, you know... You're about right. It's about 20 years. About 20 years, right? And, and here we are. We, we can't even get them to say, hey, you know, let the people in the diaspora vote. Like, like, like they're not still Nigerians like it these things still don't affect them. Like they still don't have family and property and businesses, you know, in Nigeria. So um, it's about what you guys are doing right now, which I really commend um, is reorganizing and repurposing NIDO for things like that. I truly honestly believe, um, and again, it's a personal opinion, that a lot of injustice is possible because those that are being taken advantage of do not have economic leverage so i've made it my personal mission um to try to as much as possible empower people that's been like my primary mission over the last four or five years now um i actually quit 
consulting in the IT space and started to train people. Um, and the reason that I started doing that is I figured that kind of like what you just said about us having 24 billion going back home, the more economically empowered people we have outside of Nigeria, the more influence we're going to have over what's going on in Nigeria. So I have a program um, that I put in place and shameless plug, but I'll, I'll talk about it if you if you would let me for yes, like five so. Like 30 seconds. Plug right. In, I have a program. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I have a program that is currently in place, and the goal of that program is to train a hundred people every year. And those hundred people out at the end of the program, and the program is just a 45-day program. At the end of the program, they are employable in six-figure income generating positions. Um, and I've done that now since 2016. And it's growing as a community of people, right? These are people that I also should be talking to about an organization like NIDO, because these are people who have now become part of the global 1% when you really think about it, because earning $120,000 puts you in the 1%. Not the 1% of the 1%, but it puts you in the 1% globally, right? So if we have more people of from our community we're empowered in that manner. What we're talking about now are movements that can actually truly move the needle, right? If there are people in the Senate who won't allow diasporans to vote because of X, we need to know who they are so that whoever is running against. So now we can position against those kinds of people. Now we can leverage our ability to actually again, move the needle because it takes takes a village you said you mentioned that earlier it takes it takes a group of people who are deliberate intentional and are trying to actually see progress to come together and actually make the progress happen so that's kind of been my contribution towards this whole economic empowerment thing um a lot of people come out and say oh you used to be very vocal you used to you know be on twitter and social media you were talking about this and talking about that and i said you know what i realized after about a decade of complaining that I needed to start doing, right? As opposed to complaining. And this is one of the ways that I've decided, you know, that I'm going to do. And so far, so good. Um, it was 112 for 2021. And hopefully it'll be about 150 for 2022. People that I'm going to move from wherever they are, whatever it is that they're doing, into that 110, 120K annual income bracket. Um, and yeah, and, and I know I didn't mention the program, but we can talk about that later. Like that, just specifics of the program, but it is a program that you know, lasts 45 days and, um, and we've been very successful, right? And a lot of people have been empowered through that program. And it's not just people in the U S either. Um, it's people in Hungary, in Turkey, in Nigeria, in South Africa, in Zambia, in Ghana, in Canada, um, in the UK, you know, Ireland. London, but yeah, it's so it's kind of a global thing, and I think that um, the more of us that sort of take that approach, the more power we ultimately, I think, will have, you know, as a community, both at home and abroad. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is amazing! That is really, really amazing. Let me really commend you on that. I didn't, I didn't know personally that we're dealing with a global citizen. You know, but <laughs> but honestly, the way I look at it, I think we will we'll definitely have a session 
where you can please come back and we can discuss about this program. I think it will be extremely beneficial to our viewers and listeners from any part of the world. And uh, it's, it's absolutely, you are just re redefining the rules of engagement. Absolutely. You are, I mean, may, may God Almighty continue to give you the power and the wisdom, you know, the knowledge and all the resources you need to continue to, to, to show, you know, the, the best and bring out the best in everything. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so Amen. much. Amen. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I think you gave, you know, I always like using African proverbs. So one of my other favorites is, you know, instead of giving people how to, giving people fish, it's better to teach them how to fish. So, and I think that, you know, you just gave a good example of how you were able, you know, you were comfortable in your own right, but you're like, look, instead of talking about it, let me really change the narrative and put it into action and using my time, my talent, my treasures to make an impact in other people's lives. And that's how you start a cycle of breaking cycles of corruption, of poverty, you know, generational cycles. And, and you did it at a global scale. You didn't limit it, you know, just to people here in the U.S. You open up that training and you're able to be a lifeline um, to, the, to the next generation. And then, you know, that, that's going to have like a domino effect. You started off, you know, you said your goal is 100. And, you know, before you know it, you know, you'll reach thousands. And then those thousands will reach millions, you know, and those millions will reach billion, you know. So, and that's how each and every one of us, you know, when they say, oh, how can I make a difference? It, it starts change, starts with you. And most of the time as leaders, you know, in Nigeria, we're always saying, oh, our leaders, no, our leaders are public servants. So that's number one, you know, as as a former diplomat and somebody that still works for a federal agency, I tell people, I said, my job is to serve the people um, when the leaders do, do not remember that they're there for the people. They're no longer our leaders and we need to hold them accountable and uproot them. But just like you said, if you're not econom economically empowered, you know, if you never chop even bread, <laughs> your children never chop. How you go, how you go, go even out to go and vote. You don't even have transport. There's full scarcity right now. My mom sees visiting Nigeria. She's trying to change our ticket. They've been having a blackout in Lagos for a couple of days. You know, a country that is rich in oil. We don't have a refinery. We have to sell our oil. People refine it and then it's sold back to us. So that type of cycle of madness you know, we really have to take, we really have to take control. So, and that brings me to my next question to you, um, addressing our youths, because you have, you know, multiple strings of income, you really diversified. You're like, look, I'm going to do like a training of trainers program, and I'm going to step down my training and my expertise and build up other trainers so they can train others. And, and, and that'll have a multiplying effect. I think that that is very essential because, Currently, as I read the economic report of Nigeria's unemployment rate, it is currently at 33%, which is the second highest on the global list. A very sad statistic, y'all. Um, and I know, of course, you know, that we have gotten worse on the list due to the pandemic, but that's still not an excuse. We were still a hot mess even before the pandemic. So as a successful entrepreneur, podcaster, real estate investor, IT consultant, you know, agile practitioner, what are some innovative, like smart strategies, like specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, timely strategies that you can, you know, you know, drop some gems. You already draw some gems already, 
but give us additional gems on how we can encourage those youth. There's a lot of people that went to school. They can't get jobs. They got degrees. They got children. They need a feed. You know what I'm saying? And you know, a hungry man, not angry man. So how can we really, you know, talk to the youth right now? Nigeria is in an economic crisis. The globe, the whole world, we're on the brink of war. You know, we know what's going on. With Russia, Ukraine, America, China, all types of stuff is going on. So everybody sees this civil, economic, and political unrest. So what do you say, especially to those youths now that are like, okay, we're trying to start, but we don't know how. Like, how can we lift ourselves up? Over to you. That's a, that's a really tough one. Um, because I don't know that the youth can actually do much about it. Um, and the reason I say that is, I mean, the only thing that youth can do is be hopeful, right? And also, you know, try to stay the straight and narrow path. And, and unfortunately, that path is being constricted by the day. And much of the constriction is coming from policy, right? If we have an enabling environment for business, Nigerians are entrepreneurial in, by nature. That's just who we are. We build, we create things out of nothing. We just talked about Afrobeats. We talked about Nollywood. Those are the biggest things that we've created over the last two decades. Matter of fact, it feels like those are the only things we've created, right? And those were built from the ground up. And I can speak, speak to those because I was a participant. Those were built out of nothing, right? So I guess my point is, if you're a young person in Nigeria and you're trying to build, it almost feels like, and this is crazy to say, the easiest way to build is to leave because the environment just won't let you be great, right? And that's what we're seeing. That's why we're seeing a lot of people, there's a huge exodus at the moment. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if you guys are aware, but... A huge pretty much, exodus. Pretty much anyone... Who can leave? Pretty much anyone who can leave, anyone who can is leaving. Even right? if it's not like abroad, abroad, like US or UK, you know, as they think. People are leaving to South Africa, Ghana. They People got Ecowas passport. Right. You can People go to West to African Kenya. states. Yeah. People going to Kenya. People going to Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia. And, and so. So I think if we really want to figure out what the issue is and solve for that, we need to recognize what problem we're actually dealing with. What we're dealing with is a policy problem. Um, and it may be a function of the fact that the people who are in control of making policies don't even know what their duties are, or they're just so aligned to, or they have their allegiances to whoever put them there, that they see Nigeria as a, a resource that is unending and will continue to give them whatever benefits they're getting individually. So they don't really care about a working environment. As a matter of fact, Nigerian policymakers, every time they see young people trying to do something that's about to be successful, they literally step in to collect rent. And this is how you frustrate every industry, every opportunity that people try to create out of nothing. When we started with Afrobeats, I can almost guarantee you that if the policymakers were smart enough, they would have blocked it. It never would have become what it has become now. 
They just weren't smart enough. They didn't know what was going on. When fintech was starting to grow in Nigeria a few years back, our policymakers thought the smart thing to do was to regulate. They thought that the best way to control is to come in, regulate, and put in rules. For example, like if you're starting a tech company and you had to, and it was a fintech company, that you needed a base of $5 billion. Where do you get that from as a Nigerian youth? The only way you can get that is to align with some politician who already lined his pockets, and so now they can have some control or they can take a little piece of it. When you have a country that is set up that way, how do young people thrive? How do young people thrive? So, you know, again, I keep going. I go on this long rant, but the point that I'm trying to make is we can't really ask the Nigerian youth for the problem, for the solution, rather, right? Because they don't have the cards. <laughs> They're not in control of what's actually going on. What we need to figure out is how to make sure that we can, we can shift policy. That's how, we, that's how we fix it. How do we make sure that education becomes prioritized? How do we make sure that the technical colleges become prioritized? Because every, not everyone needs to go to college. Right. You know, there's so trade, many trade. They can go to trade school, yeah. There's so many, and this is what people are trying to do. A lot of people who have gone to college have come out and now they want to shoot videos and mm -hmm. they want to make clothes and they want to do fashion. Not everyone needs to go to college, right? Even the colleges, ASU is on strike as we speak. Ah, many if you of go them. to college in Nigeria <laughs> and it's a four-year course, guaranteed you're probably going to spend five and a half, six years just because, right? These are the important things, right? How do we make sure that when people do graduate, they have work? The states have so much infrastructure to manage, but instead of actually using that as an opportunity to create jobs, they see all of that infrastructure as rent-seeking opportunities. And the more people you put in there, the more exposure you have to what you're doing. So you got to keep it, keep it small. When you have a local government office, you got to make sure that there's no more than like 20, 30 people that work there. Because those 20, 30 people have to be inner circle people with you because that's the only way you can steal money. Mm -hmm. So if, you, if you're looking to actually expand the fire service, the police force... The army. Do you guys realize how depleted even those guys, those institutions are today? Yes. Because the people at the top see those institutions as rent-seeking opportunities. So, again, policy. We have to figure out a way to get things moving in the direction that actually creates opportunity so that young people can thrive. And everyone is not looking at Canada or, or looking at, you know, people are in Ukraine, guys. Nigerians have gone to Ukraine yes. to escape Nigeria. Yes. Right? And and and, that, and I use the word escape because that's what it is. Sometimes you just got to be honest. People have escaped because they've tried and figured out, listen, there isn't enough opportunity here. This place is too constricting. There's not much that I can do, so I need to pack my bags and, and go. go somewhere else. Let me go to Ghana first. Let me even go see what's in Ghana. I know I have friends that live in Ghana now. They move their families to Ghana, you know, and they're okay. And they, their people, their people have left Nigeria for Zambia, for Kenya, and they would rather be in those countries just because they have more better opportunities there. The security situation is better. The economic situation is better. Their ability to just be is better, you know. So anyway, 
so so I, so I think it's I think it may be and, and I hate to have to respond this way but I think it may be unfair to say what can the youth do because they can't do anything they can't do anything however I have a rebuttal for that so because you're so influential in um, Afrobeats and Nollywood and I tell people I said the power of the youths I used to do a lot of site visits go to a lot of you know villages across Nigeria out of the 36 states I think I've been to about 20 or more um, states and you know like it's very different the people there the challenges in Kaduna is different from the challenges in Kanu Lagos Ogun states and some people can travel you know they sell all their things some people cannot you know they that broke you know what I'm saying and they they just stuck so my rebuttal is for those celebrity youths that are in Afrobeats, that are in Nollywood, you know, that actually do have the influence. Because once again, change starts with us. And it don't have to be a lot. So, you know, I see you as somebody that is a voice to the voiceless. You speak on behalf of thousands of youths that don't have a voice. And many of these villages, when I travel, they might not have TV. They might not even have food to choke, but they have a mobile handset. Some of them, you know, they be on social media a lot. I'm like, okay, you ain't got no money, but you put enough data so you can be on social media. So just using that power of social media and using the power of youth ambassadors in Nollywood, in um, in Afrobeat, you know, in, in the in the music entertainment industry. And for example, like NSARS, like that was successful because celebrities came out, they mobilized. You know, I think even Burnout Boy made a song, you know, Files, he has a song, This Is Nigeria, you know. I And I tell people, I'm like, it only takes a few youths to come out and be the voice to those youths. Because some you just like you said, they stuck. They can't travel. They can't do nothing. And that's where I think us in the diaspora have the power. You know what I'm saying? To really, like, make a voice. And I'll give you, like, a, a really good example of that. So when they had the Bring Back My Girls campaign, that was actually started by a Nigerian youth um, student in Europe. That, you know, over, like... 200 girls were stolen. Ain't nobody said nothing. The Nigerian news channels, channels, NTA, all of, you know, all of our major new channel here, CNN, nobody covered, nobody covered anything. So it was like, it was like, why didn't you guys cover anything? You know, and she now started hashtag bring back my girls on social media and put everybody on blast. And then now CNN, everybody now started, you know, with the hashtag and wanted to interview and go back home. So I say that, and that was just one girl. Many people don't even know that it was, you know, a young Nigerian student that started, you know, that Bring Back Her Girls campaign. And I think she started a change.org petition and it went viral. So that's, you know, that's my um, question to you is that we have a lot of influential Nigerian celebrity youths. And just taking them alone, that's where I see you as a good example and a legendary. You're not just an artist, you know what I'm saying? You're comfortable in your own right. And you could have been like, look, I'm just going to do me and I'm going to take care of me and my family. No, but the blessing in life is to use your time, talent, and treasure to be a blessing to your people and to your nation. If our nation is in shambles, that's going to hurt even our children and children that want to go back home. And we want to, you know, oh, let's go visit back. They don't know their roots. They don't know their history. Why? Because of the insecurity and everything. So my rebuttal question back to you is, how can we mobilize the influential youths that do travel 
that do have a voice, that do have influence and have a huge following of millions of, of fans all over the world, how can we use them to mobilize? Even for like this diaspora voting. Many of these celebrities got dual citizenship. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they have the money and power to, to fly back home and vote if they wanted to. But others don't. So, But their influence, like that's, that's where it is. It's not we're supporting your music. We're supporting your movies. You need to support our youth back at home that, you know what I'm saying, can't even make a dollar out of 15 cents. You know what I'm saying? So over to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and, and, I, and I, I like your rebuttal because, I mean, these are the questions we need. These are the conversations we need to have, right? We need to challenge ourselves. What are the things that we can actually do? My understanding of the initial question was what, what can the youth do? So if we want to, if we want to say, okay, what, what can the influential youth do? It's essentially help to provide some sort of guidance or, or what I consider to be like the guardrails down the path of where we want to go. Now, we have a challenge, which makes it difficult for influential youth to be able to influence policy. Because I always go back to the fact that a lot of what we're dealing with are policy issues as opposed to um, issues of, you know, people not, people just don't care enough and the people that don't care enough are the people that run things and they're not there for the people they're there for themselves now as a comfortable <laughs> youth influencer i can sit in my sit on my high horse just call it what it is right and tell someone who is in nigeria oh this is what you need to be doing this is where you need to be focused this is what you need to you know, pay attention to. This is who you need to vote for. I can do that because I have a microphone. I'm loud enough. People will hear it. But then I think that we, we forget something. And I learned this in 2011 during the election, right? Um, and I'll use um, psychology analogy here. I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Um, and yes. basically Maslow's hierarchy of needs is sort of like a three-stage that breaks down into five-stage uh, pyramid, right? And what it describes is human need and how human needs are essentially prioritized, right? Mm -hmm. So at the bottom of that is the basic needs. There's two basic needs, there are two psychological needs, and then there's self-fulfillment at the top. For the basic needs, we're talking about food, water, warmth, and the ability to just exist, right? Mm -hmm. Then we move up to the next level, which is security and safety, right? People need to have security, they need to be safe. And then we move into the psychological needs. So first of all, you have to have those two things before you can even move up to the third one, which is belongingness, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the need to be part of a group, the need to have intimate relationships, friendships. And then you move up from that to esteem needs, which is, you know, the need to feel important, the need to feel accomplished, the need to... And then you move up to the to the highest level, which is self-actualization. So with self-actualization, it's pretty much at the point where you feel like you've achieved your true potential. And then you can start to do things. A lot of the influential youth that we just, you know, talked about are in the self-actualization phase. Mm -hmm. They've made money. They're okay. Their families are okay. They're, they can drive whatever cars they want, live wherever they want to, go wherever they want on holiday. That's where they are. The people you're talking to are at the basic needs level. 
People are trying to figure out how to eat, how to stay warm, how to be mm -hmm. safe. Mm -hmm. They can't hear you. They can't hear you. In 2011, CNN had, um, what is the reporter's name? I forget his name. Um, he was a CNN correspondent to Nigeria at the time. But he took myself and Banky, and we went out for a week, pre-elections. And we essentially went out just to sort of, and I, and I think it was an exercise that was intended for us to really get a better understanding. But at the time, he presented it like, hey, you know what, I want you guys to go with me you know, to these communities and talk to people, the average people who are going to vote in the elections and try to get a sense of how these people really feel. What are their real true concerns? What is it that will motivate them to do the things that you guys want to do? Because at the time, myself and a couple other folks had started this thing called Light Up Nigeria, another movement mm -hmm. that was started by the youth, right? So Light Up Nigeria is getting a lot of traction. There's plenty talk about it. That was a big it. movement, yeah. It was a huge thing. Mm -hmm. So Kristen Purefoy is his name. So Kristen said, Kristen said, hey, you know, LD and, you know, you and Banky, if you guys want to ride with me for about a week. And so I would drive and we would just go to like a different part of Lagos. So we went to Alimosho. It's the biggest local government in, in Lagos State, right? And we interviewed people and we spent time with them. Like we would sit with them, hang out, have lunch, you know, like be in their environment and actually try to understand what the folks are going through. And at the, end of the, at the end of the day, Dr. Tommy and, and Colin, what we found out was that they weren't even concerned about this whole Light Up Nigeria campaign. It wasn't their primary concern. Their primary concern was how do I feed my kids? How do I go to? How do I, how do I eat? How do I sleep in a warm, non-mosquito infested bedroom? How do I find clean water? How do I... How do I make sure that I can protect my kids from someone breaking in to steal our one loaf of bread that we're going to eat or that we can hopefully have for, for lunch or dinner? These are the concerns. So when we're sometimes looking at what's going on, at least what I've come to realize is that a lot of the approaches are a little, I hate to use the word elitist. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the things that we do Sometimes they make us feel warm and fuzzy because we feel like we're doing something. But is it actually making change? Is it actually impacting the people? I can get on Twitter and scream and yell all day long. So, so have a lot of my colleagues, right? Scream and yell and scream and shout and Instagram this and live that. And I mean, look at what happened in October 20, uh, 2020. So, so we're here and we're still battling because average Nigerian can't even relate to that whole situation, mm -hmm. even though it's the average Nigerians that died. Right? So, again, this is not necessarily a rebuttal. <laughs> I feel like it's just like sharing with you some of the clarity that I've gained from being part of the movements, from starting movements. I realized that what we need to do really solve this problem is to change policy. Ooh. We can't change the only way we could get to solving the problem of the average person that needs to eat and drink and have water and have electricity and be secure is to change policy. We can't change it. They can't change it. We can change it. And we the only way it. we can change it is we, can, we, need to, we need to restructure the top of the house, which is why I figured that 
maybe a more effective way to do it is to have people such as yourself, Dr. Tomin, call in and say, hey, what can we do? Because guess what? We're in that self-fulfillment phase. Mm-hmm. What can we do now that we don't have those problems to make sure that the people that do have those problems don't have to deal with that anymore? The reason why people in the diaspora are able to, you know, be as... Think about it. A lot of these movements start from the diaspora. They do. Or by people who are in the diaspora that move back home. Mm-hmm. They're the ones starting a lot of these movements. There's a reason for that. Because they're in a totally different state of mind. You've seen a system that works. You understand the possibilities. But the person who can't eat, if somebody shows up and says, hey, I need you to vote for me, he has 500 naira. They are. They will take 500 naira. And they will vote for the person. That's true. You're right. Absolutely can't change that that we can't change that you can't tell someone oh starve today so that your future can be better mm-hmm. really so you're trying to tell me that right now i shouldn't feed my kids i should starve well you're in america <laughs> it's easy for you to say so i, I, I don't know if you, you you see where i'm coming from so i feel yes. like just personally and this is my personal opinion that a more effective way to do it is some the of policy the stuff. level and there's so many different ways that yeah. we can do it one of the ways, obviously, is economic empowerment of people outside so that we can influence that, right? Another way is to, like you said, be active and call attention and help people see and also help the international community understand that, listen, these are dire situations that people are dealing with. These are human beings in the 21st century that shouldn't be in these conditions, right? So that's one of the ways as well. But yeah, that that's my response, I hope. Looking at the whole situation, man, looking at what the politicians actually know does is that every four years they always come out with a bag of rice, a bag of oil, I mean, a gallon of oil, you know, uh, a bag of provision, uh, the rest of the, the basic things that they need because they know the people are hungry and they know that the easiest way to get to them is to give them what to eat. Once you come out with it, people will come and follow you and they will vote for you. That's right. You know, so it's like it's like a very bad cycle. You know, for us to break that cycle, like you said, it's the social economic empowerment which you do it right now. You know, teaching people different skills on how to be able to build a future for themselves. So that whereby that man comes around again with a bag of, a bag of rice or a gallon of oil, you'll be like, Well, I don't need to take this from you, I can afford this. What can you actually do? What policy can you actually bring on the table that will change the narrative? You know, it's, 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 a, it's a very challenging situation. We know that we, we have to be a lot more, like I always tell people in diaspora, that Nigerian problem affects you directly or indirectly, whether you like it or not. Because I always thought, no matter how successful we are in America or in any way that we are, remember you're still Nigerian. And one day your children grow and they will ask you, Daddy, what have you done to this country? You said Nigeria is not good, Nigeria is bad, this and that. What have you been able to do? What have you been able to contribute? What changes were you able to, to drive? You came to America, you had nothing, but you made it. Why can't you train people as well to make it as, as much as you have done? So it's, 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 a, it's an ongoing conversation. It's not something I don't think one uh, answer fixes all the problem. Agreed. But then again, it's it's something that will keep the diaspora should keep doing as much as they can. Mentorship, mentoring, 
in the social economic empowerment, you know, outreach, seminars, roundtable discussions. Because the way we can think, the way we're thinking right now is because we don't worry about shelter, we don't right. worry about food, we don't worry about gas money, we don't worry about insecurity, you know, and we, we pretty much have it all. No, that's why we can actually sit down in the right mind and think of what we can do. But that's, that, this, is, this is absolutely an interesting conversation. No, I, no, I that, thank. I mean, thank you for that, and I, I think that you know you're you're 100 correct. Um, in addition to that, I actually feel like understanding the root cause um, will help us know exactly how to solve it. And it feels like sometimes um, when we try to mobilize people, if we focus on symptoms, then we don't really solve the problem. You give someone Panadol when they have cancer, they're going to die, right? It might keep the headache off for a little bit, but eventually they're still going to die. So if we recognize that this is a cancer, um, what are the things that we can do in order to make sure that we actually cure that cancer? And one of the biggest ways, and people don't, people may not even recognize that this has happened before in other countries, is that those of us who have managed to, you know, become NIDO, the diaspora people, that we figure out a way to influence the people who make decisions. Because if Dr. Tommy, for example, were to run for office in Lagos, I know with all of my heart that she would do the right thing, or at least <laughs> I hope. I go try, I go try. <laughs> I know that she would do the right thing. She, she will do the right thing. Yes, yes. by, by virtue of the fact that I can, I can sense her passion, I can tell that she really cares for the average person. I can tell that the people who don't have food, who don't have shelter, those people are going to be top of mind. And and if, if people show up and say, hey, Here's something that we're trying to do that's going to help those people. She would be willing to do those things, right? So those are the people that we support. And as an organization for of the diaspora, I think that those are the people we need to start seeking out. Who are the influencers among us? Who can help us? Who are the people in Nigeria who have Dr. Tomi's sort of mindset that we can support? The elections are coming up. Do we know who the candidates are? Who are the ones that we can back? We don't have, we might not have the economic might at the moment, but it's coming. Yes, it's so. coming because there are a lot of us that, are, that have left and there are a lot of us who are doing very well outside of Nigeria. So if there's that many people, then we have influence, a lot more influence than we actually think we do. So my, I'm very passionate about this. That's why I keep going back there. It's like my <laughs> whole thing is how do we leverage that? Because if we can leverage that, we can take any office from any politician. We absolutely can. We absolutely can. Yeah. We can put our people in there that will actually help the people so that people can, can now think. We shouldn't expect people that can't eat to think. We have to figure out a way to put people in there that will make sure they can eat yeah. so that they can then make choices. They can't. Have you ever been? Do you, do, do you guys fast? Like Yes, yes. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yo, imagine fasting for, for, for the year. This yeah. is some people's reality. Some people and, are, are skinny. They're not, they're not skinny by choice, so. <laughs> they're skinny yeah. by, right, <laughs> by hunger. Because, Do you understand? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you actually hit, like, you know, my, my next question was, how do we mobilize? And, you know, you dropped a lot of gems. So first is policy. A lot of people don't understand 
you know, how to influence policy. And, you know, I started off that, you know, we have a petition, you know, Nigerians and Diaspora Organization. Our next step is to say, okay, those 92 senators that voted no, you know, have a Zoom town hall, a virtual town hall live and have Nigerians from all over the world, you know, be able to, to, to ask them questions. Why did you vote no? And actually, you know, write another petition because, you know, we have a Nigerian and diaspora, um, you know, agency in Nigeria, but, you know, they've been trying to push to get this diaspora voting um, passed. But I think that, you know, we in the diaspora really need to push because at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, if we have that type of agency, when they voted no, how come they didn't go to each of those senators, you know, and call them and have a town hall in Nigeria live and say, look, you know, a lot of us and, and you know, and virtually like Zoom us in, we have technology where, you know, a lot of, you know, federal agencies here, we use, you know, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, you know, we have internet, we have the technology, African Union, ECOWAS leaders, African heads of states, they're all using technology now. So we should be able to hold them accountable. And because NIDO was started by President Obasanjo, he has a lot of connects. And this was started in 2000. Just like I said, this has been over 20 years. It's 2022. And NIDO started in 2020. And, you know, just like you said, we have to be economically empowered but you know, it's it's a it's a multi it's, it's a multiple pronged approach. You know, it's not just policy. We have to address the economic. There's a lot of humanitarian, good humanitarian agencies, local humanitarian agencies, back at home where we can support and say, okay, these people need to eat. If we're gonna have a town hall, if we're really addressing those people, make sure food is gonna be provided. Make sure it's a stipend. As those people are bribing them five hundred naira, we should be able to give them five hundred or or more. You know what I'm saying? So as they come out, that's how we mobilize. Because at the end of the day, we're human beings. So first, they're thinking about, okay, what am I going to eat? Am I even gonna have transportation to come to a town hall meeting? You know? So we're saying, look, if you don't have transport, transport is gonna be provided. That's what I used to do working with some NGOs back at home, even to the point some journalists, can you imagine some young up and coming journalists? Some of them will come to me on the side and say, Madame, we don't have transport to go back home. And I will have to give money out of my pocket. Do you see what I'm saying? Not my organizational funds, but out of my own personal funds and say, thank you so much for coming to this town hall meeting. Here's, you know, a stipend to go back home. So we need to budget for that. And say when we're mobilizing, it's not just, you know, talking about policies, but we need the people. The In policy, the P stands for the people, you know? <laughs> so... How can we really speak to the needs of the people? So we know people are going to come and they're going to need food. So we get caterers, we give them foods. You know, if sometimes in some of those town hall meetings, we'll have like takeaway packs because learning, just working in Nigeria for like over 10 years, going back home. Back then, you know, it's cool now to try to go back home from the diaspora. I want to move back. You know what I'm saying? I want to go to Africa. No, when I left, I was a founder of um, my Nigerian my Nigerian cultural, you know, student union when I was at the University of Illinois, when I went to Emory, I specifically went to Emory because I knew it was right next door to the CDC. And I said, oh, I have a dream. I'm going to work at CDC in Nigeria. Very calculated, very prophetic. I got my first job. They opened up, you know, the first ever president's emergency plan for AIDS relief, PEFAR program that happened. And I applied and I was posted to Nigeria. And many of my Nigerian professors, they discouraged me. They said, tell me, no, you know, you got a good heart. You're going to get killed. Like, just, you know, worry about yourself. 
Now, that brings me to my last question. Are we willing to pay the price? That's including, you know, Nigerian and diaspora organization, South Savannah. We're trying to do things differently. There's a cycle that says in a proverb, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results. That's not madness. However, there's a big price to pay and change. And sometimes many of us have to pay it with our lives. You know, we talk about legendary leaders like Martin Luther King Jr., you know, like Anamdi Azikwe. So many of our people got assassinated. Let's keep it real. Even Nelson Mandela. I mean, he was in jail <laughs> for over 10 years, almost 20 years. So it's a price. It's a big price to pay. And just like you are paying the price out and of, of being a leader and training people, empowering people economically, you could have stayed in that comfortable pyramid zone. Like, look, I'm going to take care of me, my family, my children, and that's that. But right. you really took it to the next level. But that's a price. That takes a lot of your time. That takes a lot of your effort. So I wanted to speak on, you know, that would be my last question. Like, yes, it's a, it's a painful price to pay, um, but do you think it's worth it? And do you really think that we can get this diaspora voting bill passed so we can make sure that there is a free and fair election? Because a lot of people think like, oh, well, you know, we want it to happen, but we don't, we're, we're really not really ready for it to pay the price. So I wanted to speak on that because, you know, I know you is a painful price. And just like you said, I, I've been trying to get you on this show, on my Wellness Wahala podcast for a while. And you're very busy. And why? It's not that you're busy for yourself. You've been busy trying to lift other people's and break that cycle of poverty. So I wanted you to talk more about that because you're really a trailblazer. I recognize the need, right? And it is very fulfilling. Um at the end of each year, actually really at the end of every month, because my program is monthly, right? It's very fulfilling at the end of each month to see people go from wherever they were um, to being in this position where they can now truly live the life that they desire and they can move away from level one and level two to that top level, right? There's nothing more fulfilling than that. But beyond that, and this is where what you said about NIDO as an organization is very critical in order for these people who are now in that self-fulfillment um space to be able to influence things um we have to have an organization that drives it mm -hmm. um we can't just gather people around every saturday and say oh yes yeah, so what are we going to do about nigeria we need to be very calculated very deliberate very very um strategic we need to have tactical approaches to how we do these things knowing fully well that we're now armed with a legion of Nigerians who have an interest in Nigeria, who can support whatever those activities are. So for example, you just mentioned about NIDO trying to get this bill passed. You have a petition you need people to sign. Mm -hmm. In my community of folks that have gone through my program, and it's a lifetime thing, by the way, the program. So you go through the program, you start working, I support you, period. For with anything that you're trying to do, whether it's building wealth, whether it's doing life insurance, whether it's you know, building, um, um, setting up your family, whether it's establishing businesses in Nigeria, or even being part of an organization like NIDO. So my answers are very long-winded, I hope you don't mind, but- No, please, the, please. <laughs> the, the, a, a good- you're, you're, you're on the floor, brother, go ahead, go ahead. A good, simple step, 
could be in this case i have maybe 500 people who've been through this system is to introduce them and say hey listen we have an organization um there's a savannah chapter this is what they're trying to do i know that they definitely all have a passion for nature and they want to do something for nature so that could be an audience mm -hmm. for making that happen in a year two years who knows we might get up to 700 a thousand right so whenever we have these kinds of things that we're trying to um, address we know that we have people who don't only have the ears and understand but they also have the resources because that's the challenge with trying to have people that are in nigeria entrenched in the madness fix it they don't have the time nor the resources so now that we know that we have a pool of people and i'm sh and i I'm, I'm talking about my group i'm pretty sure there are a ton of people out there who also have similar empowerment programs there's a gentleman i came across recently by the name jimmy taylor or something he's doing some empowerment programs mm -hmm. right there are a couple people out there so maybe nido reach out to some of these folks and try to pull all these folks in and say hey here's what we're trying to do and how can we leverage your networks in order to actually influence i always go back to politics i think that's the biggest thing you move that one we move everything else because sometimes it feels like oh how do we get the guys who are there now to see what we're saying how do we do a town hall and bring them in and try to get them to listen but they have to be interested in wanting to do the right thing for them to even show up they might not even show up because they're like well those guys are going to come question me about something that i know i'm doing wrong but that's not really my goal so why should i even be there why am i even going to go put myself in front of this doctor that's going to grill me this american doctor that's speaking for me is now going to come out and tell me you know what i'm, I'm go doing lay on them don't worry i go call <laughs> their forefathers the big boy that's why i say i go talk to a passenger they can't i go talk to people that they can't say no for then, sure so, so, so and that's and that's the thing right is that sometimes <laughs> sometimes we have to plant our own seeds yes. we have to cut off some of these uh, dead rotting leaves and allow new ones to grow. And being intentional about that, I think is how we really, the most strategic way to fix this problem is to make sure that we're, we're going in there. You have experience in a, a domain that isn't very, very um, exploited in Nigeria, for example. There's no reason why with your expertise and your knowledge, you're not someone who can be a minister for that domain. You have the knowledge, you have the experience, and you've worked with the best of the organizations globally. So what the hell are we talking about? Right. Why aren't we, as the diaspora organization, backing someone such as yourself and other people who show up and want to do things, right? And saying, these are the people that we want to put in place. Because guess what? Once we have those people in place, everything starts to shift. Because what they're going to do is they're going to prioritize certain things. Because what's happening now is just a matter of prioritization. People prioritize their personal pockets over the people. And people realize also that if as long as I can keep people in that basic needs scenario, I can exploit them. If I keep them there, then I can take whatever keep I want. Keep them down and right. Like, and take, keep them down. Keep Step them on their down, necks and then every now and again give them some air. Yep. You know, every now and again just give them a little bit of water and be like, oh, you're going to do what I need? And be like, oh, yeah, sure, please. Here's some cola nuts. Here's one night out. I, I, so I'll be happy to be a for the rest of the life. But yeah, you, made, so I, you made a good point, and I think that that also goes into, you know, showcasing people's scorecard. Like, you know, you said that we have to get candidates. There, there are people that we know within our network, within our circle, 
that have those expertise. You know, they're subject matter expert within any field. We're having electricity problems. We know engineers, you know what I'm saying? Nigerian engineers and diaspora that are doing big things, that are working either for government as top diplomats or even working in the private sector. We know people, you know, in the healthcare industry that can really transfer the health. You talked earlier about education. We have great professors. We have great educational experts here. And just really like sharing that scorecard. Because my whole thing is, you know, you can't change the future unless you can show me what you're doing now. Do you understand? I don't want you as my future leader if you can't show me what you did in the past and what you're doing presently to move your community, whether wherever you're based in the world. That's why I said you have influence as a Nigerian here, but you're, you have global influence because you have made an impact and you have open up training and you have shared that knowledge because knowledge is power that's the training you share that knowledge and you're able to 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 build global networks so i think like you know is now to showcase because you know one thing that we don't do a lot is like you know even when i was introducing you your bio you were you know a little uncomfortable like ah who, who be this do you understand which is good i like the humility you know that's how god god continues to prosper you However, we got to keep it real. You know, we have to give people their flowers and we need to be able to, you know, showcase like people's scorecard. That's actually one of the things, you know, that that um, I'm thinking about doing in the future. But if we do have candidates, any candidate that come out, you know, whether they're part of us or whether they're part of the opposition, we should have a scorecard on everybody. Like, what have you achieved in the past decade? You understand? What have you done as an individual, you know, for yourself and your family? What have you did for your community, wherever you are in the world, you know? And then what have you did, you know, for Nigerians? Just like you're in the diaspora, but you're still making an impact for Nigerians here and Nigerians all over the world. So being able to have that transparent scorecard and we can actually say, okay, look, these people were put in that position and this is what they promised. And this is actually how they score. Okay. And we all know if you score below, you know, 60%, you pretty much fail. So, <laughs> so, so, I mean, everybody knows that and we can do it as very simple, you know, the scorecard, did you do this green is yes, you know, red, no. And then I can even do, you know, give you half a point yellow, you know, in progress. Like maybe you started some, but you ain't finished it. Cause we do that a lot. A lot of our leaders, they start projects, but then they didn't complete it. So at least he started it because some don't even do it. So that gets me, you know, to, to you know, my last um, comment, which is, you know, how can people get in touch with you? This is just the beginning. You know, how can people, for example, you talk about your economic empowerment um, training. If people wanted to participate that is listening from all over the world how can they get in, in contact with you? Also, you're the founder of Nigerian American Podcast. You talk about a lot of these great topics. Um, so people can also follow you there. But if you can provide your contact information and some of your social media handles and any final words that you have, over to you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I really appreciate you having me. Um, the easiest way to sort of... Um, engage the empowerment program is to go to this website i'm about to give you so it's www.coachdabiri.com coach as in c-o-a-c-h dabiri which is my last name d-a-b-i-r-i.com so go to coachdabiri.com and i mean it's pretty self-explanatory what i do um on there is i actually host 
um, sessions. And in those sessions, I'm able to explain the opportunity and I'm able to sort of explain the framework and show people exactly how it works, right? And then, so, you know, um, right after that, then you're actually able to, if you're interested, join the program. When you join the program, it's a four-week program. Um, and at the end of that program, my guarantee to you, wherever you are in the world, wherever you are in the world, my guarantee to you is that you will be employable making over 100K US. That's my guarantee. Um, we're also seeing like a scenario with the pandemic where people are working remote from all over the way, all over the globe. And that has also opened up a lot of opportunities. So I have um, people who've been part of the program who live in Nigeria and work for US companies, for example. A lot of people, and I'm, and I'm not talking just working for US companies, they're working for big companies like Walmart, you know, like Microsoft, like LinkedIn. Um, there are people in Finland, there are people in Turkey, people in Australia, people in uh, Malaysia, people in um, the Ukraine. I have one person in the program who was in the Ukraine. Luckily, she was able to get out, you know, before all of the, you know, madness really started. But the point is, wherever you are, you can take advantage of this opportunity. Again, for me, it's an empowerment opportunity. Um, obviously, I have to make sure that the folks who are joining this program are people who really are serious. So we have to sort of um, make sure that it's capped. I can't train a thousand people at a time. I have to keep it to a small group. So that's the other thing too, is to make sure that it's people who are truly ready to take that next step, you know, to get to the point where you can be economically, at least financially, you can gain escape velocity, right? So if you're interested in the program, go to www.coachdabiri.com. Um, everything from there on is straightforward. You register, you join the webinar, you figure it out you know, you talk to me. And if you want to reach out to me directly, um, my Instagram handle, Instagram is probably the best way, is at LD the Dawn. That's at E-L-D-E-E-T-H-E-D-O-N. Um, so LD the Dawn is my Instagram. It's probably the quickest way. But, you know, again, coachthebeery.com for the program. Thank you. Thank you. And I will drop those links and also um, your IG handle and the profile. But over to you, VP, for some of your words. And I can I cannot wait to invite you to NIDO, NIDO America South Savannah, please. I, I am extending uh, my my leave, you know, branch to you, please. Is it an in, uh, is it an in person thing? Because I would love to come to Savannah. <laughs> well, absolutely, absolutely, please. And anytime that you want to come to Savannah, I am there. Just you don't you don't need an invitation to come, please. So. Just text me. Say, hey, uh, I'm coming to He is the chairman. We told him he's the chairman. I told him he need to send one of his private jets to come get me. But <laughs> My sister, don't get me into trouble. <laughs> but we coming. We, we, we coming. Savannah is beautiful. So they did the, they did the in-person launch in um, October due to the pandemic. We have people, you know, all over. So some people were still able to do virtual. We're planning, hopefully, um, in the future to have another one. But of course, Chairman, your house, your house is open anytime. We're coming to crash in Savannah. You are more than, you are more than welcome, please. You, you do not need any invitation, please. Bring, bring as much as you can. Let's, let's tackle this problem. I, I've always told people, I say, I have never visited any country that tells me that this country was developed by foreigners. Dream, the the, 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 the the positivity has to come first 
from the citizens of that country. Which else? Are, I mean, where else are we going to go? We are Nigerians, irrespective of us holding American passports and the rest of them. You know, living in America for so long. We are Nigerians. We cannot be so successful in anything that we're doing. And our home is in shambles. We cannot. When you sleep, you don't sleep well. Yeah. When, just like Dr. Tommy was saying, the mom went to Nigeria, a woman that have worked all her life, raised her kids, very successful, just to go to Nigeria and spend her own money, she cannot even have a decent electricity. She cannot have good roads. I mean, just look at it from all ratifications. We have to do something. And the more we talk about is, the more we do something like you already doing a lot. You are doing a lot. I mean, I really, really applaud you for that. And to be honest with you, what I'm looking at, what I'm looking at it now is that people like you should be called and be given an award for what you are doing. Because these are ways to motivate you to do more. These are, these are golden opportunities. You're still a young man just like I am, but you have done way more that a lot of older people have done, that a lot of politicians that we have in Nigeria have done. I do not even think there's any politician in Nigeria that actually had the kind of mindset that you had and did what you have done. Honestly. When we talk about leader, you are a true leader. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you very much. So I really, really extend that warm invitation, please. Come to Nido South Savannah. Let's make things happen. Let's work together. Bring all the bright minds that you can let's make things happen okay please thank you so much thank no, you very no, very much no, no worries at all thank you and i appreciate it and like i said you know i this is what i want to do so i'm i and like i feel like i'm already doing it so if there's anyone that's headed in the same on, in the same direction let's let's get on the bus together you know and let's and let's let's move yes so thank you very much and thank you dr tommy for for organizing such a wonderful discussion no he's he's awesome great. he's awesome and i would like Thank to leave you. everyone with the african proverb of the week on our governor's just show you know that will also be played on nido radio nigerian and diaspora radio and wellness and wahala podcast and the african proverb of the week says it's from kenya east africa and it says peace is costly but it is worth the price so going back to what i say you know we all have to pay the price and the proverb says, peace is costly, but it's all worth the price. So I salute you, LD, the Dawn, Lamre Dabri. Thank, thank you, thank you, you for paying the price Coach, and being a Coach blessing. Dabry. Yes, Coach <laughs> Dabri, everybody Coach Dabry, go in. Not, not just call him LD, call him Coach Dabri. Coach so Dabri, <laughs> yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much, brother. Thank, thank you, you so much. It. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Please let let people know we're, we're here stopped. today. In, uh, we're here today in Atlanta for the charity, uh, the Gwinnett County uh, Food Distribution. Let anybody know, please, if they can come to Old Cross Road, we're giving out food from the county of Gwinnett County. They can come do and you, get some fresh fruits and everything. You're in Gwinnett right now. So he just yes, drove down from right Savannah now. in this okay. rain. And they and they have and they have a food drive. And going back to uh, what you said, uh, maybe I should resume it back. But going, but going back, um, you know, um, Mr. Collins, tell them about the food drive that you just drove from Savannah all the way here to Atlanta and Gwinnett County. 
I'm going back to giving people, you know, that are really in need of food and in the midst of this pandemic. Over to you. Yes, uh, personally, I, I love to volunteer and I believe in giving back to the society. Uh, I personally took out today from the office to come down to Atlanta with some of my good friends, close friends in Nigeria, America, and Chamber of Commerce to be able to work with the city of Gwinnett County in the food drive that they have. So it's a volunteer thing. We volunteer to feed about 400 to 500 families on a first come, first serve uh, basis. We have a lot of food, milk, eggs fresh vegetables for any family member that is hungry or that needs the food please feel free come here all you need to do come here just open your trunk put in the food for you and you take it home that's what i'm here for and i'll be here till about five or six p.m what's today. the location the location is i will send out the location is in old cross let me pull it up sir hold on in north cross right is it in north cross yes the location is, uh, you know, they had a, it's called uh, 1848 Old Mount Cross Road, Lawrenceville, Georgia. I know where that is, yeah. Yeah, 1848. There's an event center there called Opal. It's in the same building, and they have a redeemed church there as well. Mm. There's a redeemed church there at the building. So the place is called a Cruise Plaza. Cruise Plaza. Yeah. 1848 uh, after Thank I pick you. up please. my daughter from please school. <laughs> please, coach, please, if you are, if you are if free, rain, please do. If the, because I, I know, it's, is it still raining? It's still raining here. Well, it's, it's still raining. It's, it's still raining dropping, my side. It won't, it won't stop us. The okay. rain ain't going to stop us. Yeah. Okay. The rain isn't crazy. Probably around 2.30, I might actually swing by there. All right, please, please. Yeah. I'll be here, sir. I'll be here. I'll be more than happy to meet you in person. No, no, no worries. I look forward to it as well. Thank, thank you, you thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tony. Salute. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank you, VP. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Tony. Make I rush. Make I go catch up with them, man. Okay, okay. go catch up with them. You're coming now. You're yeah. coming, right? I go come. Okay, all right. I go come. Okay. Okay. All right, then. Okay, bye. Okay. Okay.